I want to ask you real quick, if you can, just grab your Bible. If you don't mind grabbing your Bible, if not, jot this passage of scripture down because I just want to share uh, for about 10 to 15 minutes tonight, uh, just something the Lord just kind of revealed to me today uh, through a, shall I say, a real life example. Uh, I want to share this with us tonight uh, from the book of Ephesians chapter number four. I want to look at the first four verses of that particular passage, and I want to read it from the English Standard Version of the Word of God. There's something there that I pray we can see using a real-life example. Uh, With football season kicking off this weekend, uh, the NFL kicking off this weekend, um, I really wanted to use that. The Lord began to show me something, and I want to share it with you all in letting you know that we can learn a lot. Uh, from football. We can learn a lot from the game of football, but there's one thing that I really want to point out to us tonight for just a moment or two. Ephesians chapter four, beginning at verse one from the English standard version, the Bible says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling. Now, I chose to entitle this tonight, We Can Learn a Lot from Football, simply because I want to make sure that as we look closely at this particular passage, as Paul speaks to the church, I want to compare it to, if you will, a football team. And then I want to really drop what I hope to be a real life nugget that as preachers of the gospel, especially those of us as young preachers, just getting started in ministry, that we will really begin to see the message that Paul was trying to get over to the church. When you think about a football team, of course, you think about in most cases, there are 11 positions on the on the field. When they're on the battlefield, when they're on the playing field, the playing field is the battlefield. There are team members. There are 11 positions playing. And each one of those positions has a specified purpose. It has a specified job. Of course, you've got the quarterback who is the leader of the team. That's the one that calls the plays. That's the one that gives instructions to the rest of the team. When you think about the center, that's the one who snaps the ball to the quarterback. You think about the the, the running back. He's the one who runs with the football. Um, think about the fullback. He's the one for block that's responsible for blocking for the running back. He also protects the quarterback. You know, each one of the positions, they have a specified job. The wide receiver. Think about his role. He's one who uses speed and quickness to catch the football, to get away from the defensive team or the defensive line of the opposing team to get that ball down the field. The tight end, that's another member on the team. That's one who serves as a receiver, but he's also a blocker. He lines up beside the offensive tackle, either to the right or the left of the quarterback. Then you've got the guard. You can either have the left guard or you can have the right guard. In either instance, their jobs are to block and protect the quarterback and whoever may have the ball in their hand. And then finally, you've got the tackle. 
the left tackle, the right tackle. They are the two outer members on each end of the offensive line. And their name pretty much says it all. We're going to stop and make sure that the path is clear for the member who has the ball in their hand to easily get down the field because the goal is to make a touchdown. Now, I shared all of that for for those folks who might not be so football savvy or for those who really don't follow the game. But the reality that really caught my attention tonight is simply this. In the midst of those 11 team members on the offensive line, did you not notice that each one of them may have a different assignment, but they still have the same purpose? I want to share that again. They may have a different assignment depending upon what their position is, depending upon what their role is. They may have a different assignment, but they still serve the same purpose. The purpose is simple. The purpose is we want to get across the field into our opposing team's territory and cross that line to make a touchdown. And if we can make enough touchdowns and make enough points, we will win this battle. We will win this game. What's my point to us tonight? Here is my point to us, especially to those of us as young preachers. If we are going to be successful at ministry, we, one, have to have an understanding of our assignment. You got to have an understanding of your assignment. If your assignment is, is, is to serve in leadership as a pastor, you walk in your assignment. If your assignment is to be a prayer warrior, you walk in your assignment. If your assignment is to be a bridge of support and to uphold the left or the right arm of the leader so that the church can remain successful, you walk in your assignment. And you don't get upset or offended or make up in your mind that you're not going to participate because you are not in the role that you're in. Whatever your assignment is, you work that assignment. Whatever your position is on the team, work that position. Do the best that you can in that position. And then when all of the team members work together to fulfill the same purpose, guess what's going to happen? Ministry is going to be victorious. Now, the reality of this is, is an understanding, as Paul shares with the Ephesian church here, is that we've got to understand, here's the first thing that Paul shows me. The assignment that we have, in most cases, we don't have a choice in the assignment we take. If you look there, he says, wherever we have been called, whatever place you have been placed in, whatever role in ministry you are given, you do your very best in that position. Tonight, I want to encourage us as preachers of the gospel, particularly young preachers just getting started in ministry who may feel like you should be doing more or you should have more responsibility, or you should be serving in other areas, or they should be giving you another place, whatever place they give you, fulfill that 
to the best of your ability. Watch this. On a football team, can you imagine what would happen if everybody tried to be the quarterback? Can you imagine what it would look like if everybody tried to be the center, the left or the right tackle, the guard, the running back, the fullback? Can you imagine what it would be like if everybody tried to be like everybody? Wherever you have been called, the Bible says, abide in your calling. And please let me say what's on my heart to say tonight if, with hopes of helping. You don't get to a place where you say, well, if I can't do what I want to do, then I'm not going to do anything. Let me let you on a little secret. You will delay your destiny in ministry. You will delay it. If I, if I can't be the assistant pastor, then I'm not going to serve. I'm talking to young preachers now. If, if, if I can't head up this division of the church, if I can't be minister to the youth, if I can't be minister of worship, if I can't be the pastor, then I just won't do anything. That's an attitude that is beginning to arise up in the church. And let me let you know a little secret, not only from a pastoral point of view, but from one who was a minister before he was a pastor, you will delay your destiny. Because after a while, those in leadership will see you with that attitude and with that approach. And they will basically say, until you are, get ready for this, mature enough to handle the assignment, then we're just going to have to wait and let you grow into it. So, so when I think about what Paul is saying tonight to the Ephesian church, here are a few things that I want to share with us real quick. One of the first things that Paul shares with me here is making sure that we conduct ourselves in a way that reflects who we are. Let's carry ourselves in a way that reflects our role, whatever it is. And Paul goes so far in verse two to tell us how it's done. One, we got to be humble. Two, we got to be gentle. Three, look at what he says. We got to be patient. Mm -hmm. Then we've got to be able to tolerate others while we are seeking their well-being. I want, I want to give you the list again. It's right, it's right there, right there. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, I beg you, I strongly encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In other words, if you have the assignment, walk in the assignment that you have been given. Walk like you can handle it. Handle it with grace. Handle it with, with, with patience. Look at what he says. Whatever that calling is, be humble when you're calling. One of the worst things people want to deal with is, is one who carries this, this air that they got it all together. True humility. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be willing to submit. I'm going to be willing to teach as well as learn. Because see, really, a great teacher has got to first possess the ability to be a good student. A good leader has got to first learn how to be a good follower. 
And sometimes being a good student and being a good follower means that you have to be willing to operate in a level of humility that says, I may feel like this is above me, but I've got it. I'm willing to do this. Let me say this to somebody tonight. Never let it get to the point that it's beneath you to do things that you think are beneath you. See, sometimes a quarterback has to realize that he has to run that ball a few yards. Can't help but think about Cam Newton during his time with the Panthers and even now with the Patriots. We saw it yesterday in yesterday's game in how there was a moment, the very first touchdown of the game yesterday, Cam Newton as the quarterback took it because he had to realize there are no other options. And since this is on me and I've got to call the plays and the shots, sometimes I've got to take it upon myself to run this ball into the end zone. It may not be my job. It might not be my responsibility, but before I cry, that's not my job. I'm willing to do what I need to do. Watch this. So the team can win. See, sometimes, especially, and let me say this to young preachers tonight, the first thing all of us have got to get over is get over this spirit of thinking we can do it on our own. You can't. It's going to take all of us working together. We got to conduct ourselves with humility, with gentleness. We got to be patient. We got to bear one another in love. We got to show some tolerance for others. We got to be able to understand where they are and help them get to where they need to be. We got to be willing to say everything that I'm doing is for the betterment of the team. It's for the well-being of the game. Every position on that offensive line has a responsibility. But they all say, you know what? If the right tackle is lacking, I'm willing to jump in. If somebody's coming for the quarterback and they're not properly blocking, I got to step in because the goal here, the goal here is the goal line. That's what we got to get that ball across the goal line to get a touchdown. And we got to get more touchdowns than our opposing team in order for us to win the game. Which brings me to the next thing that Paul says here, right in verse number three. He says, whatever assignment we're given, we walk in our assignment. We do it to the best of our ability. We do it with humility. We do it with gentleness. We do it with patience. We do it with eagerness, right? And then he says, verse three, we must be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, believe it or not, y'all, this is one verse that has been sort of, if I could put it this way, this is a verse that really has not properly been explained. Okay. So I really want to take some time to break this one verse down. And if I can do that in about three to four minutes, I believe the Lord will be pleased. When we think about what Paul is saying, the unity of the spirit in the bond, that's what the King James Version says, in the bond of peace, the first thing that Paul is talking about here is not saying that we are all the same. Many times when we see the word unity, the first thing we think about is the word unite or oneness. That's not what he says. Look at that verse again. He says, we must be eager 
to maintain the unity, the sameness, the oneness of the spirit. Did y'all see that? Here, unity is not talking about our individuality. Okay, we, we have our uniqueness. God created us that way. But what Paul is speaking of here to the church in the body of Christ is making sure we understand that no matter what role we are walking in, we've got to maintain the same purpose. We got to realize, can I say it this way? Whether you are the quarterback, the halfback, the fullback, the right guard, the left guard, the right tackle, the left tackle, or even the center, you don't win all the points. You don't get all the touchdowns. You don't get all the victories by yourself. It takes all 11 of those Pittsburgh Steelers and all 11 of those New York Giants. Can y'all tell I'm watching the game? <laughs> it takes all of them working together to obtain the goal. We got to keep before us the purpose. And let me talk to preachers tonight and make sure you understand that it's not all about just you. It's not all about your gifting. It's not all about your ability. It's about you making sure that whatever your calling is, you walk in your calling, in humility, in gentleness, in patience with yourself and with one another, always remembering, here it is, it's not about me, but it's about Christ. It's about the centered goal. All of us have a role working together to get it done. See, let me, let me say this to young preachers because I'm seeing a lot of this happening now and, and I really want to help us real quick. I see a whole lot of this happening. Here's what's happening. We got a lot of young preachers that because they can't do what they want or they can't have their way, they are quick to go rogue. And then when you go rogue, you think you can make it out there on your own and do what you want to do when you want to do it. Hold up. See, there's another side to this that I got to share in my closing moment. And I hope you catch what I'm about to say. Granted, the quarterback may call the shots on the field, but the quarterback has to go to the coach. Come on, somebody. The coach has to look toward the, the, the box in the air of the stadium. And in that, in that box in the stadium, there are some offensive coordinators and some defensive coordinators that are actually giving directions and helping to give directions to the coach on the field so that the coach on the field can give directions to the quarterback who can then give directions to the team. Y'all better catch where I'm going here. Y'all better catch this revelation. Please catch this revelation because in my closing moment, look what you can learn <laughs> from a football team. If we were to say that the quarterback is the pastor, he is the one that relates to the church that calls the shots. He is the one that gives the direction. He is the one that casts vision. As that quarterback casts the vision of the next play of the football team, it's up to all the members on the team, all the members of the line to work in coordination with the call that the quarterback has been given. But watch this. The quarterback gets his direction from the coach. The coach is the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit gives guidance and gives direction. That's the force that's working on the sideline, pushing and directing and showing us the way. But all up in the sky, in the sky box, in the box, in the sky, never forget there are some, there is a coordinator that gives directives <laughs> to the coach who then gives directives to the quarterback who then gives directives to the members of the team that they all may be victorious. And that's God himself. How does this relate for us tonight? What does this say to us as preachers of the gospel? What does this say particularly to young preachers? This is what it says. Whatever area you have been called in, abide in that calling. And I'll take it a step further. If your calling is not what you think it ought to be, prove yourself in the assignment you've been given. And when you can, approve, when you can prove yourself in that assignment, watch how promotion will come. That, that's the reality. Watch, watch what happens when you make it your best effort to not only do your best, but be your best. You cannot forget it. Don't lose sight of it. He says, keep the unity. Y'all see that? Be eager to maintain. The word maintain means to keep. Watch this. This is going to be a good revelation. He said, keep the unity not establish the unity. See, the reality of it is, and this is a powerful nugget, whatever assignment that team member has on the field, you've got to be so well versed in your assignment that you begin to learn how your assignment fits in with the assignments of others. Because if you don't, you will find yourself trying to set up your own thing instead of doing what you really need to be doing. Tonight, I want to send a word of encouragement to young preachers. Tonight, please let me encourage you. Here's what I've been trying to get to all night. Don't rush the process of being a quarterback if you can't handle being left tackle. Don't rush the process of being the center when you have not yet, when you're really designed rather to be a running back. Stop trying to rush the process. Let me be spiritual. Stop trying to rush the process to be a pastor when you can't be faithful as a minister. I, I know somebody gonna say that's tight, that hurts, Rev, but I'm trying to show us something, Okay. Because many times the assignment we want, we may not necessarily be prepared for it. And only through time and through training and through experience will you be prepared for the next promotion in your life. See, so you got to understand something. Next year, if the Lord will spare my life, the fourth Sunday in November of 2021, I celebrate 30 years of preaching the gospel, okay? I did not get my first pastorate until I was wrapping up my fourth year of preaching. So for the first four years of ministry, 
I spent time preaching places. I spent time going places. I sat under the leadership of my pastor, who was also my dad. And I learned. He made me go to school. He made me go to school. If, if, if there were times, I'll take this from experience. There were times that he, I wanted to go. Can I go over here? There's a church without a pastor. They've invited me to come preach. Can I go? No. And there were seasons where I can relate with young preachers where I felt like, look, you know, God called me. You didn't. I can go if I want to go. And there were times that really in a real sense, I'm going to tell you personally, there were times that I was invited that I didn't even tell him I was wrong. I knew I was wrong, but I did it anyway and learned some hard lessons. I learned some hard lessons. You can learn a lot from a football team. We can learn a lot from a football team. Whatever your position is, stay there. Don't rush the process. Stop trying to be the quarterback if you're not assigned there. Stop trying to be the center when you're supposed to be the running back. Walk in your role. Fulfill your assignment. Be the best at what you're called to do. Endeavor to maintain the unity of the spirit. Keep the main thing the main thing. Stay focused on the assignment. The assignment is not about us as preachers. It's not us. The assignment is not about us. The assignment has got to be about reaching the laws, winning souls, ministry, and mission together. And if God has assigned a quarterback to you, let that quarterback guide the team. I'm talking to a young preacher somewhere who's about to get upset and get mad and leave a church because he can't have his way and he doesn't get the opportunities that he thinks he ought to get or or, or you feel like that passes overlooking you or you feel like passes overlooking your gifting. You want to go somewhere where your gifts can be used. Don't make that mistake to jump out there and know God has not told you to move because when you do, it can affect the end result of the team. That's all I came to share with you tonight. We can learn a lot from a football team. Whatever calling you've been called in, abide in that calling. And Paul has told us, do it with humility. Do it with gentleness. Do it with patience. Be patient. Be understanding. Maintain the purpose. It ain't It ain't about you. Bad English, good gospel. <laughs> it, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the team working together to get that ball across that goal line enough times for that team to win the game. And here's my closing note. Watch this. Because if that team works together in enough games to get that ball across the goal line enough time to win those games, look at what's going to happen. When it's all said and done, that team will be able to stand at what we call the Super Bowl. And when the Super Bowl is over and that team who has fought every battle and has worked together as a team and has gotten that ball down the field and across that goal line enough time to get enough points to win the game, they will be presented with their own trophy. Can I tell you 
what the Lombardi Trophy looks like for a faithful servant. It's a commendation that comes from the head coach himself. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. So now, guess what? Here is your trophy. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joys of the Lord. We can learn a lot from a football team. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I know, you know, football season is going and being, of course, a football lover myself, uh, I, I'm just grateful that I had this time to share. And I'm grateful that God allows what I call real life instances to really present illustrations to which we can grab it and understand it.